Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. Mixed martial arts. How do we like those martial arts? I don't know, because I can't do we this. We like as a mix. <laughs> we like a mix, baby. <laughs> Casey's so much better at that than I am, but. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UFC 287 preview show. We are live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. So thank you for joining us. This song is a banger. Can we just talk about this is a banger? Gets me ready every week. Every week I'm hyped for this. I heard this song in some other random reality show because it's just like a stock song. And I was like, oh my God, look at this. And it got me ready for a fight. I got me all hyped in the middle of some shopping or something. It was weird. I've noticed that the theme song for on to the next one is on like a dozen commercials. It's everywhere. It's, it's all over the place, which I don't know if I'm sad or I chose the right song. I don't really know, but that's beside the point. Thank you for joining us. Of course, the UFC is back in Miami, UFC 287 going down tomorrow. We have a very fascinating main event for the middleweight title, Alex Pereira versus Israel Adesanya two or four, however you want to look at it. Jorge Mazadal's homecoming party, taking on Gilbert Burns. Incredible main card, and we'll talk all about it here. But happy to be joined by, of course, Mr. Shaheen Alshadi. Shaheen, how are you, my man? I'm doing well, Mike. I'm doing well. I enjoyed your your Casey invitation there, the Casey rendition. You you just got to commit. You just needed to commit a little harder, and then we would have had it. It would have been perfect. I know. I got tackled at the one-yard line. And joining us, just feeling the Miami vibes, is the one, the only... Oh, oh you want the Ken Miami Mujer. vibes? Oh, hit him with it. Hit him with it. Hit oh, him my God. Look at If I had a colorful shirt right now, I'd be killing it. Buttoned up to, like, here. No, no need for buttons beyond that. Just should have done it. I Had I thought this through at all, that's absolutely the energy I would have brought to this show. Why on earth do you hide that thing? That is majestic. There's just a lot of it. There's so much of it, dude. There's just so much. I'm glad I showered this morning. <laughs> Otherwise, it would not look nearly this good. That is wow. majestic. That is just stunning. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. You look like Matt Riddle. I, for, uh, I gotta be honest. I hadn't thought about this, but I may now have to go buy a Hawaiian shirt for tomorrow for the uh, is is the secret out? I don't know if I can say the secrets of of tomorrow's watch along party, but I'll be making an appearance, and I might have to go full Miami Vice tomorrow. Can you? Yeah. Like, you get your hair like really wet too. Like I need you like WWE oh, levels of wet. We could do that. I'm at my parents' place now, uh, visiting them for Easter weekend. They've got a pool. I should jump into it, pop out, and then it's basically the same. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Said spoiler. 
I might be wearing a Miami shirt too. In fact, I will be. I already bought it. It is tremendous. And you know, Connor is probably going to be wearing like a three-piece suit. So it's going to be a good time. So join us tomorrow. Jed will join us. It'll be a lot of fun. But gentlemen. Mike, real quick. Mike, this is very important. This is very, very important. Before we actually talk fights, two bald boys here. Have you have you ever had your hair that long in your entire life? Because I've I never ever reached the point past the point of like that uncomfortable length where you kind of just feel feel real goobery everywhere. I never got past that. You got no. I fifth grade, sixth grade, little Zach Morrissey, where I had like the part in the side. Went with the part in the middle for a little while. Uh, and then that was it. Like that that lasted for a few more years, and then by my sophomore year in high school. Dunzo cut it short it would get a haircut like every week to 10 days and and then i lost the battle altogether Jeez, every week Good every days. week is That's intense a lot. yeah i, I like to the, i like to the fade i my, i would get haircuts and like it would look good for three days and then like my hair would grow back so quickly that it just looked like garbage the rest of the time i used yeah. to do like full punk style spike like all around like I would do, oh, I had so much hair incredible. gel and hairspray in it. I did I mohawks a couple times, those but those those were the days when you had options. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> ever have long hair until COVID because I like you. It would get to that weird tweener stage, and I just get rid of it, and then COVID happened, and I just let it all go. And now here we are. It's a wonderful decision. You just you just got to fight through it. I, give me a couple more months, and I think I can join like an '80s hair metal cover band if I could sing at all. We'd argue that would be the move. I think you're there. I think you're there right now. I think we need to do this. <laughs> I mean, Jed, you have musical talent somewhere. You have, I mean, you you have you've turned babyface with this reveal of the hair. People have <laughs> pe- people are, are is that the case? I mean, look look at some of the comments. Like you ride a stallion to the shower, Jed. Like just all I, this, I mean, you are a baby face <laughs> to the okay. nines. I was thinking about getting rid of it. Maybe now I won't if this is if this is what gets the love. So it gets yes. the people coming to MMAfighting.com. Great website. One might call you the the it's just a stunning revelation. Maybe you're the, <laughs> you're really the spectacular. Long haired Jed might be an enigma. Might be just this, this new mythical creature in MMA, much like Alex Pereira, Jed Mishu. Alex Pereira is kind of a mythical creature. Look at that transition, nice. Mike Heck. Professional. Oh my god. God, that's why I pay him the big bucks. Kind of a mythical creature, Jed. This man, I don't know how he makes 185. I don't know how he does it. There seems to be different stories and myths that follow this man around, and you kind of have to believe all of them. That's just sort of the the, the resume, both in and out of the cage, that he sort of built for himself. But here we are, Jed Mishu, a man who is not typically a fan of immediate rematches. We're getting one here. We're a day away. UFC 287. We got... Pereira, Adesanya, four or two, however you want to slice it. Five months after the last meeting, middleweight title on the line, so many storylines. Where are we at a little over 24 hours away from this one? Look, I'm still excited to watch the fight. It's a good fight. I was excited the last time. I still wish we weren't getting it now because I don't ever want to see an immediate rematch unless it's a trilogy bout. Like if they split the first two, then fine, you can pull it, but that's the only exception I ever carve out. And there are some reasons which we may come across here, which are why. Like, if Izzy wins this fight, and I'm sure we'll get into it, what what comes next? But that's for later in the show. Right now, let's just talk about the fight on the merits. It's still a damn good fight. I have so many questions about what's going to happen. None of them are new, is the 
part of it that's insane. They're the exact same questions I had going into the third fight, the first MMA fight, however you want to couch it. Will Israel Adesanya continue to fight the way he seems to have adapted or adopted his style for MMA? Will he give ground to Alex Pereira the whole time and then just try and fight perfectly for 25 minutes? It's really hard to do that. He he was doing well. I think some of the narrative has been a little bit overblown about how well he was doing in that in the first MMA fight. He was winning and up on the scorecards, but that fight was competitive and he largely was as up as he was because of the third round where he got a takedown. He wasn't really looking for it. It just sort of happened. He wound up on top and he, I think, proved conclusively he's a better, he's superior grappler. Now, if that's going to be part of his game plan, I'm really interested. Is he going to try and shoot takedowns? Because we've seen that backfire for people. Tiago Santos gassed himself out shooting takedowns because that's not what he does. But is he had so much success there? Maybe he incorporates it this time. Most importantly, I just I just want to see if he fights him back. If Izzy's coming forward and trying to fight, like aggressively fight, he has a really good chance to win this fight. Can always get caught. It's Pereira. But if he doesn't, if he continues to give ground back to the fence, circle out, try and just be a leg kick merchant for 25 minutes, the same thing feels like it's going to happen again. So all of my questions are in approach. Where's is his mind coming into this? How, because how, how's he going to approach it? Because his coaches didn't really want him to do what he did last time. And he did. He got knocked out. Maybe this time they, he takes a lesson. So all of those same fascinating questions are there. And on top of it, we're stacking. Can, can this man really go four and oh against Israel? Sonia, which would be insane to think that anyone could go 4-0 over somebody this talented, this skilled, this good. Shaheen, do you have any different questions for this one that you didn't have for UFC 281? Because I see Jed's case. Like, you could add a couple of wrinkles, but for the most part, stylistically, you sort of had the same questions you had back in November. But what, what are some other questions that you have, if you have any, compared to November? I mean, it's, a, it's just everything ramped up double right like at this point also i have to say someone in the comments said all jed is missing now is a soul patch and now i'm just visualizing <laughs> that and i really just need you bringing that energy to to next week's show or something however fast you can grow like a really sweet soul oh, patch i arguably can't grow one at all but we'll try we'll do our best I, I don't grow great facial hair i've tried my whole life it just doesn't really happen but yeah. i agree that would be a great look to pair here well, the top of your head is overcompensating then because it's just tremendous. I can't get over it. Um, no, nah, man. I mean, this to me is is just I know I know a lot of people, maybe some people, didn't like the immediate rematch, didn't like sort of the way that the UFC handled this, but I, I actually really dig the whole situation, the whole setup that we have here. Izzy was such a dominant champion, and we've we've unanimously called him the second best middleweight of all time, pretty much just extensively throughout this run. And and I mean he deserves it, but also just at this point, you can you like I can't imagine someone that talented, as Jed just said, losing four times to the same guy in a way that this whole rivalry is so so utterly utterly bizarre. Where I mean, we don't need to rehash because we've done it a thousand times, but like every single one of these fights could have conceivably gone the other way very 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 easily. Like this could be three and zero in Izzy's favor, and we would never be talking about this. And yet here we are on this timeline. And just the way that Izzy has sort of approached this fight week and sort of the, the different version of Izzy that we've seen this fight week, 
I would say we've seen someone who's very focused, but also someone who's acutely aware of just sort of the situation that he's he's sort of found himself in because he created this demon, right? Like he's the one who sort of poked the bear and continued to poke the bear and almost like convinced Alex to come try to do this and take away another thing from him. And then Alex, of course, does it. It's it's one of the the weirdest rivalries I've seen in combat sports. I don't know that you can really call it a rivalry because it's it not. is so. Yeah, when you when it's 3-0, like, is that a rivalry? Like, the Suns, you know, lose to everybody for, like, a decade. I don't think we had rivalries at that point. We were just losing to them. So, like, it's just a very bizarre situation. But it does seem, again, that Izzy is so acutely aware of sort of what the stakes are for this weekend, right? Because if he loses to Alex again, like, he could regain the championship maybe a year or two later with someone else beats Alex, maybe a wrestler, you know, or, or Robert Whitaker comes in and does something and Izzy can beat Rob. But like, he's going to get Alex Pereira memes in his comments for the rest of his life. Like that dude is just going to follow him wherever he goes for the rest of his days in a way that is so profound and just so strange to like, this dude kicked you out of one sport. And now he came over here and he, he overthrew you on this one too. And it just like almost soiled your legacy in a weird way that is so unique. Like th that is so imperative to avoid that if you're Israel Adesanya and, and not let yourself, again, it's just such a bizarre dynamic between these guys. But when have you really seen Izzy ha not have the upper hand mentally against anyone in over his UFC run, right? Like we have consistently seen him against guys like Mar Marv Vittori or, Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, whoever he's been going up against, he has had that mental edge. He has had that level of confidence, that level of like, well, guys, like I'm going to beat you and I already, or I already beat you, that type of thing, like that big brother mentality over a lot of these middleweights in this division. And you can see it this week, like he very, very much does not have that against Alex Pereira. And it's just like, I can't imagine what's going through that guy's head if you, if you feel so supremely confident that you're better than this one man and that you've almost shown it three different times, and yet you haven't shown it at all, and now the whole world is basically just ready to write you off. Like It is such a, a bizarre, unique, uh, I, almost without parallel type of matchup that we have here. I find it utterly fascinating, because the historical ramifications for a lot of this and just how we're going to think of Izzy moving forward, like a lot of it kind of depends on, on what happens on Saturday, and it's a, just a very unique situation. It is. Pereira, I mean, Pereira is just oozing confidence. Like it's it's just he smiled a couple of times this week, which I didn't think we would ever see. The over under is zero point five. A lot of people were taking the under. He smiled like four times this week, which is just something I didn't expect. But you did bring up a good point, Jaheen. I'll and I'll send it over to our armchair psychologist, Jed Mashu. What have you oh, made yeah. of what have you made of Israel Adesanya's mentality this week? The media day, the press conference. Some of I mean, look, he's some of the some of the hits are are continuously being played. Wore a dog collar to the press conference yesterday, knew he would be asked about it, had a line ready to go in response to said dog collar. But I thought the media day was pretty interesting and, and pretty fascinating. Just the focus in his eyes just looked, he just looked pissed. Like he looked pissed both days. But what have you made? This is a different kind of Israel Adesanya this week. Can we all just acknowledge that the dog collar is the corniest shit that's happened this year? Like, come on, man. Like that is, and I, I've become, I've had less patience with it over time anyway, because it's hard for me to remember if he was always this way. I don't feel like he was when he was on the come up or whatever. I feel like he, he's always been a bit, you know, like, likes anime and, and is a, a bit out there with his 
personal interests and and in your face with it and i respect that i'm cool with that i enjoy naruto that's that's cool but it felt like particularly the last few fights where he just tried he lied a lot <laughs> he's like I'm a vampire and I'm going to come eat him or whatever. And he does the <laughs> same dumb shit. That's like, that's legitimately a thing he said before he fought Jared Cannonier. I'm a vampire and I'm ready for blood or some dumb, some dumb. And then he did the same low kick merchant shit against Jared Cannonier. It's like, I don't know if this is who he's trying to sell that he's a dog that needs to be let off the leash or whatever. But like, don't talk about it. Be about it, bro. Like, let me see that in the cage. Bring that Bring that same energy to the actual fist fight because I will be far more compelled. And like I said, I think he's got a way better chance than if he says, I'm a dog needing to be let off the collar, and then he's going to immediately back up to the fence and just jab and low kick a bunch. Like, it's, it's just – it feels like he's trying so hard. And it's not just because it's the Pereira thing because he's been – feels like he's been trying to do that same sort of thing before Pereira. But with Pereira, it, it feels even – even weaker because you you don't have it like the whole pre the whole media day per, press conference or whatever i was i, I am a man with a bet on israel disney a couple of bets on israel disney i don't feel great about it like armchair psychology could totally be wrong we're gonna find out on saturday we'll see but it read to me very much like the false bravado the false confidence ronda rousey brought to the Holly Holm fight, the I am trying to sell myself on this idea, the, you know, when he's talking about the fights and it's, well, I I beat this guy three times, I just haven't beat him. That means you haven't beat him, dude. Like you, you, you have to be learning a lesson here and a total lack of humility, which I don't necessarily think you need to be humble, but you could at least be honest and instead of all the rest of it. So I have felt very... Uh, off kiltered by his approach this week and again maybe he knows something and and he's right and and i'm wrong totally could be possible we will it will just be borne out on saturday but i don't like almost any of the pre-fight stuff his like he was like mad during media day like he was like at reasonable questions or like questions that shouldn't elicit an anger response to be like i'm not going to answer that he would just glare i'm like dude what who are you mad at Cause you're not mad at me. Cause I'm not the dude who's knocked you out three times. You're just mad at yourself that you're in this position. I, I don't know. I don't, he feels all over the map mentally coming into this, which is concerning for a man with multiple Izzy tickets. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the Rondo one is kind of interesting. I kind of had like McGregor Poirier three vibes in almost in a weird oh, way. Okay. That feels closer you know, to me than Ronda because I've heard a couple people say the Ronda one. And okay. I don't know that this feels like Ronda. I, I'm I, I'm happy to say that as well. Do we remember what happened in McGregor Poirier three? It didn't go great. <laughs> like it's it's the same sort of thing. Like I don't I don't know. And this could again, this is armchair psychology. This is all bullshit. We are all f- making things up. Could totally be wrong. But if not, come Sunday or the post show, I'm gonna be like. Yeah, and uh, it all of the things I thought before feel vindicated in that. Yeah, it's been an interesting part of this. And then Alex Pereira just loses a goose wearing these stellar suits, just having a good time, letting Glover Teixeira just the Pikachu just crank jacket. the crap out of him. Oh, the Pikachu the jacket's Pikachu outstanding. Jacket. 
is a plus troll game has really been an underreported part of this <laughs> right. whole situation between him and Izzy. Like he is such a master troll, <laughs> like levels that are like, they brilliant. are, it's absolutely, they brilliant. are a perfect, like a perfect understanding. If you were trying to explain to somebody the difference between true confidence and bravado, like it, it's just those two dudes. Alex Pereira is the most confident man I've ever seen. And I don't think that this is him pumping him. Like he just, he knows it internally and doesn't have to say it. Is he's wearing a dog collar, ostentatiously wearing a dog collar to elicit the question, why are you wearing a dog collar? So he can say his corny ass canned line. Like the, the vibes are very different guys. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Shaheen, we, we have ourselves a very interesting position here because you mentioned it. It's a lot on the line here for Adesanya. Like a lot of it, and you can make different arguments because Jed has talked about it before. This, it seems like Adesanya has a legacy that's pretty set right now. Like second greatest middleweight of all time. Could that change, you know, over time, of course. But as of right now, if he were to lose this fight and just ride off into the sunset, he's the second greatest middleweight of all time. Almost like Kamara Usman heading into this, the rematch with Leon Edwards. But like you mentioned, Pereira is just sort of this looming shadow that could just hang over him forever. And that doesn't leave you. You could try to do other things and ignore it, but for the same time, that stuff's going to follow you everywhere. So, and then I think the fallout of this, especially on the Adesanya side, if he loses this fight, it's far more interesting storyline wise than leading into it. Because what does this man do? Does he go to 205? Does he retire? Like I've seen people suggest he might retire. Does he just sit and wait and hope Robert Whitaker beats Alex Pereira and win the belt? Like, what does he do, Sean? If Israel Adesanya loses this fight, if he goes out there and gets the doors blown off him, he gets finished in round three, four, five, something weird happens, and he gets finished again by this man, where does Israel Adesanya go? Like, what what do you think actually happens? I mean, it's tough, right? Because we've already seen that 205 isn't really a viable option for him. I mean, he went over there and, and lost to Jan Bukovic, and I don't think anybody's saying Jan Bukovic was the second coming of John Jones. Like, the size is just going to be a struggle for him regardless up there. Um, so, I don't know, man. I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. I think if he loses, he's still someone who's 33 years old. He has a lot of mileage on him from kickboxing and et cetera, et cetera. Like, he's been in combat sports for a long time, but it doesn't feel like he's past it. Like, it still feels like we're very much in whatever the prime version of Israel Adesanya is. It's just he's going to be stuck in that situation. He's going to be in the Joe Benavidez zone, right, at that point. Like, uh, it's, it's just you're the guy who could probably beat most of the people in that division, but whoever is the champion just has your number over and over and over again to the point where we're just not going to see it again. We don't want to see it again. So it, if he loses, he's going to very much be stuck in that. Again, it's that Joseph Benavides zone that Joe was in for for most of his career after the DJ situation where he's just fighting off these top contenders and having to almost be like the highest possible version of a gatekeeper imaginable to to the the, the championship window. Because, I mean, I don't think anybody out here is saying that Alex Pereira is the second coming to Anderson Silva, right? Like Alex Pereira very much feels like a person who has a very specific set of skills who has a very specific stylistic matchup that just matches up extremely perfectly with Israel Adesanya, but also someone who has a lot of holes who could probably lose to at least four or five guys in this middleweight division. So it's not like Alex is going to be some long-range champion, I, I would say at least. I mean, he's also sort of closer to 40 than he is to 30. But until he loses, he's that guy. So I, I, if you're Izzy, you almost have to just go and wait for you know uh, Hamzat Shamayev to come in here and, and maybe do what you couldn't or Robert Whitaker or whatever, because then instantly... 
Izzy's back in it, right? Like Robert Whittaker comes in here, wins this fight against Alex, then Izzy obviously has the massive edge over Robert in that series in the same way that Alex does on him. So he, he's just going to be stuck and waiting and having to file through these almost like Max Holloway right now uh, if he loses. So, and that's not the spot you want to be, man, especially in your in the waning years of your prime. Like that is a tough, tough spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, Whitaker matches up really well with Pereira, but who knows? Like, at this point, like, if Pereira goes out there and does it again, because I, I know a lot of people, and I think I might have even said this at one point, that after Johnny Eblen went out there and handled business in his last fight, I felt pretty confident that Johnny Eblen could beat Alex Pereira in a fight right now. You mean but now I don't number know. one ranked middleweight in the world, Johnny <laughs> Eblen? I don't know if I feel that way right now. I, I just don't know, because Alex Pereira is just, like, yeah, he's, he's a, a scary, he's a scary he's, he's man. A, he's a frightening human being and he's really good at hitting people really, really hard. So they fall down. It's just like the guy's on him being, I don't know That's how he makes the summation of Alex Pereira. He is really good at hitting people hard. Just really good at it. It's, so what dude, it's uncanny. It's uncanny. Jed, you wrote a, pa- a wonderful pass the victory column for MMA fighting. And you you made an excellent point that like it doesn't even look like he's throwing hard. He's the hardest puncher I've ever seen. It's it's stupid. Hard. It does not make sense when you watch the visual of it. But the thud, like the actual sound that you can hear from these shots, is just it's unbelievable, man. It's terrifying. Yeah. That knockout he had in LFA. That knockout he had in LFA was one of the scariest knockouts I've ever seen. I thought he I thought I thought he killed a guy. I thought he killed a guy with that knockout. <laughs> I, I mean, I was frightened. I thought he really badly hurt somebody. I've been saying it for a little bit now. Um, I would like him to win, and I would like him. I know that Robert Whitaker deserves it, and that we should do that in general. I desperately want to watch Alex Pereira fight Drickus Duplessis because oh watching God. Drick, watching DDP throw his chin onto Pereira's punches would be among the funniest things I could I can really <laughs> imagine in, in fight sport right now. Man, just charging into those hammers would be awesome. Well, I mean, I feel like we've already sort of broken this fight down in so many different ways. We might as well just get after it here. Four times. I know. And, and four At months ago. Point, what can you say? Like we've just <laughs> what else can you do? Still, if this, if this ha- plays out the fights haven't been different. They've all no. looked almost the same. <laughs> If this plays out the exact same with Israel coming up on the scorecards in a late round and Alex just is just putting them away, like at that point, we just never like I don't even understand how to talk about this rivalry at that point. Because like is he's the better fighter, probably, but it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's crazy. If the same thing happens again, I will totally know how this rivalry goes. Like that will just be okay, that's what will always happen because you can't be perfect for 25 minutes. It's impossible. And particularly like Honestly, Israel Adesanya was probably hurt by the fact that he was up three rounds to one because Pereira's corner was like, you have to go do this or you're going to lose. And he was like, all right, cool. I'll just, I'll go forward real hard and try real, real hard this last round. And as soon as he did that, the fight was functionally over because Izzy was a little bit tired. His defense fell off. And had that been like a tighter fight, maybe Izzy could have, you know, jabbed his way to a fifth round win and, and scooped the decision. But if you're ahead of Pereira, Pereira, I said this to Mike on something this week. I thought we were talking about this week. Maybe it was last week. Uh, Pereira is not Jared Cannonier. He is not going to take a moral victory from losing. Like, uh, like, oh, I made it to the fight. If, if he's down and he's just going to try harder, he's like, well, 
I guess I better go knock this dude out like I've done a bunch of times before. And so it's it it is becomes increasingly difficult to just play the safety first game at round over round. So if Izzy continues to approach this fight the same way, he's going to continue to get knocked out in later rounds the same way. So that's again, that's and that's why that's my big question. If Izzy finally makes an adjustment, maybe something will happen different. If not, we're gonna get the exact same outcome as we have been. Well, let's just get after it. Right now, the challenger, Israel Adesanya, the minus 140 favorite, the comeback on the champion. Alex Pereira, plus 120, according to our friends at DraftKings. Shaheen Alshadi, who leaves Miami, Florida, the middleweight champion of the world. God, those odds are just so perfectly, perfectly representative of exactly what this rivalry is. Because I can't imagine any other scenario where a guy beats another guy three times and in the fourth fight, he's still the underdog. Like, this is such a bizarre situation, man. I, it's just, I can't get over how strange this is. It goes back to what we were saying at the top. I just... As good of a fighter as Israel Adesanya is, I just can't imagine him losing four times to the same guy. Like that's just a clean sweep. Like you're just gonna gonna. It's that doesn't make sense to my mind. Like I, especially the way that these have played out. I could look extremely stupid at the end of this because if Alex just goes out there and does what he's already done three times, like what what are we even talking about? But I have to side with Israel just because I I, I truly would be stunned if someone like him lost four times to the same man it feels like at some point something's got to give maybe he can you know just go to his wrestling a little more agree i agree with what we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier in this conversation that i don't think that could be the sole focus of the game plan because that's just simply not what he does but also we've seen francis and ganu wrestle his way to a title defense as well so you never know in there and adjustments can be made on the fly I, I lean Izzy, but I, I think it might be one of my stupidest picks ever. And it, it's also the definition of insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Like I'm going to pick Israel Adesanya. I'm going to say maybe a late round stoppage. He can figure out something to, to work against Alex Pereira that hasn't so far, but also I could be the stupidest person in the world right now doing that. I don't know. I feel like that could be a common theme with a lot of these fights, honestly, that you just have like a specific read on things and then you could just look like a complete fool when it's all said and done. But Jed is cracking up. I there love Shane's breakdown because I feel so much of it. It's like, I'm going to do the dumb thing because <laughs> in my lizard brain, my lizard brain looks at this. And this is how Vegas turned a, a little spit in the middle of the desert into what it is. Idiots like me who are like, well, that can't keep happening. Surely the same thing won't continue to happen over and over again. Uh, <laughs> it's been think, red four times in a row. It can't yeah, possibly like, be red again. This time it's going to be black. Look at the board. It's been five reds in a row. Can't do it. This time it'll be black. And then you put a lot of money on it and you lose it because you're an idiot. And that's where I am right now because surely these two guys who are very evenly matched up, one guy can't go four. No, he can't do a clean sweep. That's just statistically unlikely. I have chosen to talk myself into the belief that this time Israel Adesanya, you know, what what's the old saying? Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, I'm a freaking moron. So if you fool me a fourth, holy shit, I'm stupid, I think is how it goes. I think Izzy is going to finally take a lesson, and he is going to come out and push Pereira back. Now, there's always a chance Pereira knocks you out. It's Alex Pereira. He's the hardest-hitting dude I may have ever seen pound for pound. Uh, so that could still happen, but I think either way, we're going to get a quicker resolution twice before Izzy has severely hurt Pereira in the first round and was unable to finish due to time constraints, standing eight count, et cetera. I'm picking a first round Israel Disney KO 
don't feel great about it. Could look like a huge, huge moron come wow. Sunday. So that's where I'm at. First round, eh? I think, that, I think this nuts. time, because I think if he's allowed to settle in at all, <laughs> Izzy will just revert to who he is and give ground. And then that's just bad. I think the whole camp, the plan is you come out, you put Pereira on his heels, you get after him. And if that happens, I think Pereira is just going to start firing back and we're going to get a real, like real exchanges a la Rob Izzy, the first fight when they were just kind of chucking after it. And I like Izzy's chances to get him out of there if that's what goes down. Yeah, I, I was talking about this on the, the, the weigh-in show earlier. This, to me, like if you're out of Sonya's side, it's almost like I feel like he has to approach it like it's the rematch between Rocky Balboa and Clubber Lang, where like Clubber just deaded him at the beginning of Rocky Three, and then the game plan was, Rock, you just got to you gotta unload the clip for three rounds. Just get after him and just throw everything you have in for three rounds. And get after him. And then, of course, he goes out there and gets him out of there in three rounds because he just throws the kitchen sink at him and empties the entire clip in hopes of knocking this man out who was indestructible prior to that. And that's what he did. So I guess I'm as dumb as you guys. I'm picking no Adesanya way. as well. We're doing whole it. Group of oh my God. Just a pack of imbeciles. I feel even trouble. worse about my picks now. <laughs> oh, God. Idiots. I just, I don't know. I, I No, I commit know. to it. You already said it. No, I know. I'm there. I just, this fight, what I was going to say is this fight is going to be the fight of the night. I think they're going to beat the shit out of each other. I don't think this is going to be a technical chess match. I, I think they're going to get after it and someone's going down. And I think the way Adesanya is probably going to approach this fight, at least the way I look at it, I think he's going to be okay with how this thing ends. Like maybe he'll be a meme, but I think he's just going to get after it. And if he falls, and goes down in an aggressive fight, I think he'll be able to live with himself. Because I honestly think this is his best chance of winning the fight. Um, again, I'm not talking Pedro Munoz just punched Cody Garbrandt in the face and it turned on the switch of absolute insanity, Like, and then Garbrandt gets deaded. But he's got to go after him. He's got to try to put Pereira on the back foot. And at the same token, Pereira needs to put Adesanya on the back foot. And I just think these two dudes are going to collide until one man falls down. And I think Adesanya is going to win in the third. I and I don't love this. that pick. I don't I love it. I cannot believe this. Just How are we all doing this? All of us. How are we all doing this again? This is ridiculous. Because I, four, I, four is so many. Four is so many. I was, I was, I've been leaning towards Izzy since this fight got booked for the simple reason of he can't possibly do this for a fourth time. And as this has gotten closer during this week and seeing Izzy, have you guys grown more and more? I guess less and less is what it means. No, I feel less way confident less good. because I feel so supremely less confident after seeing just the dynamic at play this week. I feel so. I said it at the top. I feel way. I picked Pereira last time um, for all the reasons we've functionally talked about, and this time I was like, I'm just gonna pick Izzy because. I don't know vibes, and then and then the vibes were off as soon as he started talking. I was like, "Oh God, I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all." I, but I'll tell you what: if if Pereira wins, I'm picking Pereira in the fifth fight. So don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. This will be. <laughs> I won't fall for it again. I, I will tell you that right now. But the co-main event. Here, I have ahead. a question before we move on because I can't. I genuinely don't know which is the funnier of these two potential scenarios. Either. The exact same fight happens again. Izzy gets knocked out in the fifth after being ahead. Is that funnier? Or 
Is it funnier if this time Izzy takes the lesson, comes forward, does all the things everybody's been begging him to do, and still gets knocked out? I don't know which of those is funnier. Oh, they're both. Oh, hilarious. it's the first. It's the first it's one. The former. Easily, yeah. I don't know. I think they're both hilarious. To but. me, the second funniest outcome of this fight is that it's just the most boring, most point fightiest fight that we have ever seen in history. That it's Izzy Yoel again, and that that's how he finally gets. Oh there. my God! Don't don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. I just don't Fur, think that could happen because Alex Pereira wouldn't let, let that it. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Pereira won't let it be that. But that is by far the second funniest outcome of this. Yeah. Is to say, oh, I finally got you. And it's just like Rose Carla two levels of bad. See, <laughs> I would say, I don't think that'll, that'll just be sad because Izzy will for sure celebrate that as if he climbed. You'll be Tommy Fury out there. Yeah. Just yeah. acting like. I got you with <laughs> split decision life. win by leg kicks. Yeah. Oh, bum. Man. You're a bum. That's a dog <laughs> off the collar. Okay, dude, chill. And the third chill. funniest outcome would be Pereira winning the fight until the fifth round, and Adesanya knocks out Pereira in the fifth round. Now that I, would be some some freaking kismet right there. Also, if Izzy shoots a takedown and Pereira guillotines him, that would be pretty hilarious too. Wow, let's let's not lie to ourselves. Go -go there are a lot of just straight like go goes about here. Possible hilarious outcomes for this fight. Peru pulls out the first Peruvian necktie in a UFC title fight ever or something. <sighs> now, now we're talking. talking. I would honestly now we're just talking. quit watching because we peaked. We're not yeah, doing that's it. Now. We're done. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Co-main event, we have Gilbert Burns, the biggest favorite on the entire card, taking on Miami's own Jorge Mazadal. This entire car is built around him. At this point, the fans are going bananas for him. It just feels like a Mazadal homecoming. But here we are, Shaheen. Jorge Mazadal, 
co-main event, biggest dog on the card to Gilbert Burns, which to me is a very stunning revelation. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but what are we thinking here? We got Gilbert Burns. We got Jorge Mazadal, a fight that we thought after Leon Edwards defeats Kamar Usman again at UFC 286. This fight had all the stakes. Everything was on the line. And then Dana White immediately shut that down and has continued to do so. Has this, has this fight lost luster? I guess is the question I'm going to ask. Like, now that we're a day away, does it just feel like it's just kind of the next level above Kevin Holland and Santiago Ponzinibbio with them not really fighting for anything at this point? Why are you always starting to start trouble? Why are you always trying to start trouble out here? My <laughs> pet? They don't like shutting down a lot of stuff. What was that press conference? Like, I know that's not what you asked me, but like, what are we here to do if you're not going to let these dudes talk to each other? That's That was one of the most bizarre press conferences I've ever seen just from a UFC standpoint. Um, what did you ask me? What was the question? <laughs> Does this fight, has this fight lost steam since it was announced and since UFC 286 and the doubling down, the tripling down, and then the quadrupling down in front of Jorge Mazadal and Gilbert Burns yesterday? In front of a booing audience too. Like it's just the level of read the room when it comes to a lot of this is, is lacking severely. I say it's lost a little bit of steam, right? Because this could feel bigger than it does if from the moment Leon Edwards put the capstone on his, his trilogy with Kamara Usman. We have been hearing nothing but, hey, Jorge Masvidal, Gilbert Burns, the winner of this, could get this next title shot. You got to come out here, do something impressive, earn your title shot, show us why you should get it. If we've just been hearing that sort of rhetoric from the UFC over the last several weeks, like this definitely would feel bigger, right? Like this would feel like, oh man, this is Jorge's last shot. This is Gilbert's maybe one shot to, to sort of get back in this opportunity to skip the line. Like, we would be talking about this in a vastly different way rather than like, oh, well, this is just weird. What's, what's, let's talk about some conspiracies of why this is still happening in the way that it is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of unfortunate that this has been underpromoted in the way that it has. But also, I mean, what from the moment this fight was first conceived, first talked about, first, you know, booked, everything, there's a reason Jorge is the biggest underdog on the card, right? Because I think to a lot of people, myself included, this feels very one-sidey. This feels like, well, I, I have a pretty good sense of how this is going to go. And if these dudes fought 10 times, pretty sure one guy is going to win nine of them. And so, I, I mean, that in and of itself maybe puts the fight a little bit lower in sort of the, you know, hype levels. But then again, I mean, anything could happen. It's Jorge Masvidal in Miami, right? Like we've seen crazier things. It's hard for me to get past the fact that this is a 38-year-old man at this point who has been doing this for a very long time and has a ton of mileage on him. And, and like we have seen peak Jorge Masvidal, so whatever he does at this point will just be extra. Uh, but, you know, this is this is a very interesting fight to me. This is still a quality fight. And, and I still, like regardless of the rhetoric, if Jorge Masvidal goes out there and Ben Askren's, uh, Gilbert Burns like he's gonna get that title shot unless the UFC just absolutely has this deal with Colby Covington regarding dropping the lawsuit it will give you a title shot just some sort of under the under the table type of thing like at that point it will be undeniable unless that is the case so you know this is still a very intriguing fight to me but it certainly could be much much more going into it if we had been properly you know if it had been properly put on the pedestal that you was just right there that they could have easily done Jed, to me, and I've talked about this a lot, and I think you've talked about this as well, I think the betting lines suck in this one. I think it is way too wide. I don't think... I think Mazadal has a much better chance than people are giving him than the betting odds are certainly suggesting right now. I think stylistically, people are just forgetting that Mazadal does things defensively pretty damn well. A lot, You know, 
when you talk about Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, the two best welterweight wrestlers in the division, Gilbert Burns is not these guys. Like he's not Usman. He's certainly not Colby when it comes to chaining a bunch of takedowns together. Gilbert, unless Gilbert Burns has suddenly become the second coming of Marab Dewalish, really, I just think this fight is much more competitive than the betting odds suggest. This plus 360 on Mazadal seems like the biggest value on the entire card. That's to me. What, what are you thinking? I feel like. I feel like this is a much more competitive fight than people think it is. Fully with you. I uh, talked about it on Obed's Bard this week. I'm picking Gilbert Burns to win this fight, but plus three, uh, the odds are at basically saying Corey Maswell has a 20% chance to win, and that just feels low. Like that's, he has a, I think he's got a better than 20% chance for the stuff he touched on. Like, People, I think people have a bad, like a conception of what Jorge Masvidal is as a fighter in general because what he did to get, you know, to get up to stardom and the title shot is not really who he is as a fighter. It was just sort of a contained run and some matchups that worked. He's a very good defensive fighter. He's an excellent defensive fighter. He's a really good defensive wrestler. I'm sure the comments are like he gave up a million takedowns. Yeah, to Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. Also, he gave up a million takedowns while defending twice as many of them like that the both of those dudes shot scored takedowns at like a 33 percent clip which is in general uh not all that high as far as takedown attempt uh success goes and gilbert burns is not hori masvidal kamara usman i think burns is going to win this fight because masvidal historically has allowed people to simply outwork him he gets a little too caught up minding his defense and not minding his own offense uh, I think particularly given the Miami crowd, when he is firing back at Burns, he is going to be throwing heat. He's going to be trying to take his freaking head off. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Honestly, I, I'm not really sure how that will play out because Burns has proven to be really tough. Like he, he's been finished, but he's also, I mean, he went hammer and tongs with Hamza Shamaya for 15 minutes. So I don't think Burns is going to get repeated takedowns. He might get to the floor at one point, but Masvidal is a really good defensive grappler pretty good at getting back up to his feet. Burns isn't going to put the Colby Covington chain of takedowns on him that is going to smother Masvidal like that. And so I think we're looking at a lot of a kickboxing fight. And again, I favor Burns' aggression, his forward pressure, his willing to seize the initiative, whereas Masvidal will let fights come to him. But I think he's going to have his moments. And I think he's got a way better than 20% chance to win this. And I, I would say that there's, I think we've got a chance of this looking like more of an old school Masvidal fight where he loses a split decision, but feels like he did better because he had much better defense than, than Gilbert Burns did, but he just doesn't land enough offense to sway the judges. I think this fight's really competitive um, for, for a lot of it. So, or at least maybe, maybe I'm again, talking myself into that because he's got great hair, but when you, man, you got Gilbert Burns, hair. I'd say he's coming. Just tremendous. Arguably the best hair on the whole card. And I thought Masvidal for sure would have had that a lot coming into it. And then Byrne shows up with that. And it's tough. Also, don't know. I I didn't look at the weigh-in, so maybe you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. The UFC.com photo of um, Jorge Masvidal looking a little soft. Not looking like uh, prime peak condition Jorge Masvidal. Which is potentially worrisome. So we'll we'll see. I didn't look at the weigh-ins. I don't know if he looks soft on the scale or not, but concerning certainly for Masvidal backers like myself. 
Were you concerned, Shaheen? Did you see something from Mazadal that didn't look right? He's never been a real body guy. Yeah. Like Mazadal's never been a you know a six pack kind of a dude. No, but he hadn't been. Especially at one seventy, like he's sort of. I feel like he's sort of looked that way at most of his one seventy run, right? Yeah. Maybe I didn't notice it before, but he just looked a little soft. Fair enough. Listen, he's thirty eight. We can't all age as as graceful as Gilbert oh, yeah. Burns. So somehow Where they are, Mike. I mean, Bert. Yeah, they're right there. Gilbert like Burns looks ten. Shahid. Gilbert Burns somehow looks ten years younger. He looks ten years younger it. with the hair and the overalls, and he like his face. It's like he lost wrinkles from his face. He looks ten years younger. He looks like Raul Rosas Jr. in a way. He looks like the young second youngest fighter on the freaking card. It's unbelievable. But right now, Gilbert <laughs> Burns minus four fifty plus three sixty on Jorge. Uh, can the youth get it done? I guess is the is the big question, Shahid. This stuff just slays me. I I cannot. This is why with the Jed thing with like letting your hair go. Like if you have such tremendous hair as Gilbert clearly does, the afro looks incredible. How can you possibly hide that? Like why would you hide that? That's such a dis, that's such a disservice to people like me and you, Mike, to hide that for as long. As, it's the GSP thing where like GSP was bald for like my entire existence knowing him, and then all of a sudden he retires and he has like this lavish head of hair, and it's just where was this all of this time? Are you kidding me? You've been hiding this from everybody. Uh, I'm a little upset that we didn't get this Gilbert Burns afro earlier because uh, I agree. I mean, that that's like plus five uh, on your speed and power in, in your chin just right there by putting that afro up. Um, no, I mean, ultimately, this this fight feels to me. Um, I know I, I agree that maybe it's a little more competitive than people are, are pitting it because it does feel like people have more or less kind of given up on Jorge Masvidal. He, he lost back to back to Kamaru Usman and Kobe Covington. That's not the worst thing in the world, but even us, I mean, as a website, we don't have Jorge Masvidal ranked as a top 15 middle uh, welterweight. feels like people have just kind of written him off and maybe that's why this line is where it at is and sort of the breakdown is coming from a lot of people. But ultimately I have supreme confidence in Gilbert Burns. I have, I, I believe Gilbert Burns is legitimately still one of the best welterweights in the world. And I think that's just where it comes down to is one of these guys is the best welterweights in the world. And one of them is not right now. Uh, and so I ultimately I, I side with Gilbert, but you know, it is what it is. What do we think, Joe? What's I know you're picking Burns, but does he get him out of there? Is this going to the cards? What do we think? Oh, cards. I think they're both really durable. Um, if there's going to be a finish, it will be for Jorge Masvidal. I mean, Masvidal, the last time he was fin- – I mean, outside of the Usman, one ta- one shot, incredible KO, it was Toby Amata. Like, he, he's not getting finished. Um, I just doubt Gilbert Burns can get him out of there. Uh, so I- I'm taking Burns by decision. But, again, I think this is a fairly competitive fight. I I came into this week feeling pretty not confident, but I, I came into this week ready to slide in picking Jorge Mazadal. I was feeling like Mazadal could go in there and actually win this fight. And then he said something that gave me pause. If I lose this one, it's probably it. Never that concerned hear that. me. Never that concerned hear me. That. Even though stylistically I still think this is gonna be a competitive fight, I can't I can't pick Mazadal. I just can't. So I will go with Gilbert Burns winning kind of like what Jed said, uh, a very competitive decision. I think Mazadal will have his moments. I think this one in some way could have some Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz vibes to it. Not to the same extent. I think it's more competitive as a whole than that fight, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I I think what Burns does well, Mazadal defends pretty well. I think most of this fight plays out on the feet. I think Mazadal has his moments. I think Burns probably has more. 
And I think Burns just lasts a little bit longer. I think down the stretch, that's when Burns will kind of pull away here. I think it's kind of like a one-one fight heading into the third. Burns comes out, wins like the first three minutes and 50 seconds of round three. And then Mazadal has a nice moment at the end. And there we are. So I think it's a fight. Burns wins. We're going to look back. Most pundits are going to be like, wow, that was much closer than a, of a fight than I thought it was going to be. But I do think Burns will, will eke it out. So that's where I'm at. I don't like the, I have one foot out the door stuff. It gives me, it gives me too much pause. So that's I don't like that. I don't like that all three of us agreed on everything. It feels like we're just setting ourselves up to look very dumb. All right. Well, I mean, let's. That's my corner. Looking dumb is where I thrive, Shaheen. Not with that hair, Shed. Not with that hair. When you make predictions sure. of that hair, you cannot look bad. You cannot. That's the Ball true. Brothers were. I mean, we're, I'm going to have to come back and humble myself, but you, people are just going to forget. People are going to totally forget what you said because that hair is just flowing. Just New get a fan. Mythical get a fan. MMA fighting staffer, just untamed. I might maybe I'll get a, a fan for tomorrow too, so I can have the open Miami shirt billowing. Just going to be great, great <laughs> vibes, vibes all around. All right. Well, before we take a couple questions from the peeps, the the chats have been kind of grumpy since the weigh-ins, but here we I have are. A question for y'all uh, that I don't know if I've ever noticed this, and it's so, not really relevant, but a little bit. Uh, have you ever been on the UFC's website about like the, like the fight thing? They have weights listed, and it's not the competition weight. Do they weigh them like when they get there on fight week? What do you mean they have like fight night weights listed? Like uh, one they, championship style? I mean, well, right now if you look at the main card, it says that Alex Pereira weighs two hundred and six point four pounds, and Izzy weighs one hundred ninety nine pounds. That's under their like breakdown of of the listing of all of the record and fights and where they're at. And they've Is got it, weights that aren't for, they're not the competition weight clearly. Interesting. So I, don't, huh. I don't know. I've never noticed this or seen this before. And it wouldn't totally shock me if they did like a cursory way in the fight week when they got there. But I don't remember that being like a thing. I bring it up largely because uh, I mean, one, I kind of would have anticipated Pereira being a little bit bigger than two or six, but two, the, the biggest gap is between Raul Rosas Jr. and Christian Rodriguez because it says Raul Rosas Jr. is 141.8 and Christian Rodriguez is 154.6. So that's a big gap if that's what I think this is. I need to check that out. I've never heard of that or seen I've, that. I've never, I've never seen it before, but I'm on the UFC's 287 page. And wow. All of the weights are different, so... Something I was just curious, didn't know if I, you guys knew. If like, I would be, I would actually be less shocked if you said Pereira's weight was like two forty six than him being two oh six. Yeah, two like two honestly feels feels lighter than I would have thought. But if he's oh yeah, I mean the the rumors were that he's been cutting weight for two weeks. That he's been like already working his way down because it's such a big cut. So. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. They have it for everybody. Gilbert's yeah, for 180, everybody, and it's Gilbert's none of their competition weight. Masvidal's 184. What is mm -hmm. this? Wow. Now you might have just discovered something, Jed. I maybe I did. I just I really want to know why Christian Rodriguez 15 pounds heavier than Rosas Jr. If that's the case, because that's awesome. Well, Christian missed weight today. He missed weight for his Shocking series day. fight. If I got to tell you, if he's walking around at 155 and they weigh him on fight week and he's got to cut 20 pounds as a bantamweight, it's not shocking that he missed weight. 
Wow. There you go. Huh. Something Hotel, to wait and check it. Wait. That's something we get a that that might be a nice little betting uh addition, I, this, Jed. This would be a huge addition to my gambling acumen if this is a thing that I never knew existed. Wow. Everybody else's weight looks pretty normal. Like what about what you'd expect? The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. What's the low-key banger, Shaheen? What's the low-key banger? I think the main card's pretty damn good. Uh, if you want to take some of that low hanging fruit and it's, it's cool. It's all good. But I mean, what's the low key banger? I, I feel like under the, these two fights, you could make a case that all of these fights are low key bangers. I think the stock answer is Yanez font, right? Cause I, it doesn't even feel low key. But yeah. That's, that's not low key, right? Like that's, that that's the Yanez fight of the night. That might be that cool. dude. Like there's a very real world where all of a sudden Adrian Yanez is UFC champion with the next two years. Kind of feels like that. I'm super, super intrigued with that fight. But ultimately, if you want to go a little bit further down the card, I'd say either Gastelum Curtis, but I still don't want to even kind of talk about that fight because I just don't want to put the hex, the jinx on Calvin Gastelum, who's seeming like <laughs> one of the unluckiest men in the UFC right now. Uh, so I'll go even further down and I'll look at that Gerald Mearshart, Joe Pfeiffer fight because Gerald is the perfect, like I love everything about this matchmaking. Gerald is the perfect sort of like prove it, uh, level of, of opponent for him. He's spoiled so many different parties in the past with the UFC of trying try to, hey, if you can beat Gerald Mearshart, you're probably one of the one of the guys that we're going to start talking about as somebody that matters. But also, it's not really easy to beat Gerald Mearshart. A lot of people have tried and failed. I love that. And also the, the story of Joe Pfeiffer, obviously, we don't need to rehash it, but just like overcoming homelessness, tr- troubled youth, like dude was basically like going to be out in the streets if Dana White didn't pay for his rent the whole time and then comes in here. Uh, also, the contender series injury that it dealt with and then comes in here and just has just a supremely violent UFC debut. Like middleweight's in a really interesting place right now, obviously with Izzy and Alex and everything we're doing there. But also there's just like a lot of new infusion of talent that's coming into middleweight, whether it's a Bo Nickel, whether it's probably a Hamzat Shemaev, whoever you want to throw in there. I wouldn't say Joe Fiverr is at the level of those guys, but he is, and he could be seemingly another intriguing young name to sort of throw into the mix that we haven't had him sort of playing around in those waters yet so i'm i have my eyes locked in on that fight i love the matchmaking in that and i i wouldn't be surprised if joe pfeiffer ends up being somebody for real you know what's yours jed uh i don't think that's gonna be a fight tonight just because i kind of think joe pfeiffer is gonna knock him out um because joe mirashart's real good at being scrappy but if he's not he's real good at getting knocked out 
Um, I'm going to go Shyla Nerdenbecki, however the hell. I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. My bad. Hand up. Uh, versus Steve Garcia on the early prelims. Just because Steve Garcia is really good at uh, getting or getting got. Like eight of his last ten fights or something been finished or gotten finishes. I know uh, Shylin has had a lot of decisions in the UFC, but prior to Jordan, I mean, he's, he's been, he's like, I think this is his 50th fight. Dude's been fighting for a long time, and most of those did not go to decision. So I think hype Miami crowd. Hopefully it'll be hype. We'll see uh, how that, certainly the early prelims look. Uh, but I think that's probably the best bet for something that's both under the radar and really fun. I like it. I'm going, I'm picking the main event to be the fight of the night just because I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be a lot more ruckus than the 281 fight. I think Raul Rosas Jr. Christian Rodriguez is going to be really, really fun. Like, I think that's going to be a really fun fight because if there's one thing we know about the UFC and their matchmakers is if they have their eyes on somebody and they want to develop them in a certain way, there's nobody better than the UFC at this. When they have an eye, when they're told, hey, this is our plan. We want to bring this guy in and eventually want this guy to fight this guy for the title. They will find a way to get it done and make it look good. So I feel like this matchup is here for a reason. I feel like Raul Rosa Jr. versus Christian Rodriguez is, is here to start off the main card because they think Raul Rosa Jr. is going to run over Christian Rodriguez. And I just, that might happen. I'm just not convinced that's going to happen since, again, I know we have a, a running joke on MMAfighting.com. He's not Raul Rosas Jr. He's he's 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. That's how we call him. And that has to factor into stuff. And Christian Rodriguez, despite not having his weight management where it needs to be in this division and in this organization, he is a scrapper, man. And he is a scrambler. And he's a really solid, fun grappler. And I think there could be there could be the chance that Raul Rose Jr. gets this cool ovation. He gets over like Rover and he's just going to want to do something cool, like really, really cool. Maybe he fights out of himself, like outside of himself a little bit. And Christian Rodriguez takes advantage. I do ultimately think Raul Rose Jr. is going to get Christian Rodriguez out of there by the third round. But I think before that, maybe Raul Rose gets, he's like, wow, look at all these people. They like me. They really like me. And he starts doing things a little bit cray. And Christian's going to be like, all right, let's do that. And then Raul's going to realize, all right, let's just get him out of there. So I think that could be a really fun fight. I think that could be a really, really fun fight. I do like the GM3 Joe Pfeiffer fight as well. Let me ask you this, Jed, as our, one of our betting analysts. You know how Makwan Amir Khani is like the ultimate live bet guy? Like if a Makwan Amir, Amir Khani oh, yeah. fight gets out of the first round, you just unload the clip on his opponent because you know what's about to happen would it be a smart betting strategy to not put any money on joe pfeiffer gerald mearshart at all but if pfeiffer and mearshart gets to round two maybe we put a little sprinkle on gerald mearshart because that line's going to be up there and i feel like if this fight because there's a world savvy little I, I like think it. where you're coming from. Piper has a I, lot of fourth strong KOs too. He's he's yeah. I feel like if he doesn't get Mearshart out of there in the first five minutes, that Gerald's going to beat him. I could see it. I don't know. 
Uh, I'm just I just embedding Joe Pfeiffer because I think he's gonna knock out Gerald Mearshart because I will net I don't for what he's one of the Gerald Mearshart is just one of those dudes for me that I'm just never gonna respect. I don't know why he's clearly not a bad fighter, but it's a good run too. He's on a nice little run. He is on a good run. Honestly, it is probably because he talked a whole bunch of stuff and then got deaded with literally the first punch. And that just ruins you for me as a fighter forever. I was like, I respected what you were saying, Gerald. That's the right attitude to have. Literally getting colded by the first punch is a tough scene. Tough, tough scene. So, uh, and I know he's four and one since then. Obviously a good fighter. I think Joe Piper's going to knock him out. But I don't hate your thought, particularly with how unproven Piper is. So... I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Mearshart, if this gets extended, it favors him a lot more. So, all right, let's take a few questions. This is, uh, should be a fun card. We'll start with Tristan. If Chris Curtis KOs Calvin Gasolum, is he going to be just a tough out in that middleweight division as he moves up in the rankings? So, tough fight to call Shahid Alshadi. I think this is about as close as it gets. I think this is the close closest line fight on the entire card right now. Kelvin Gastelum, the slight favorite minus minus one thirty. come back. Chris Curtis plus plus one ten. But if Curtis just goes out there and knock out Kelvin gas and knocks out Kelvin Gastelum, how will you feel about his future at one eighty five, Shaheen? There's a right answer to this. I'm excited. I hope you get it right. Shaheen. I don't know that that changes how I feel about his future. I mean, I don't know that I don't, I don't know that I think of Kelvin Gastelum in that way anymore. To me, this fight is more about like, is Kelvin Gastelum still matter? almost in a way, right? Like is Kelvin Gaston still uh, someone who matters in this middleweight division? Dude has, what's, what's the run he's on at this point? Five out of six. Yeah. He's lost five out of six. And that one that he won was Ian Heinish. And it's not a decision that anybody's going to go back and watch anytime soon. The fall has been precipitous. And, and I mean, at this point, if you go one and six over seven, like, I think that's, it's, it's hard to come back from that. I, whereas Chris Curtis, I mean, Chris Curtis is a very fun story. I, I love him a lot as a person. I think he's very like cool personality to have in the sport, and I'm glad he's here. And I feel like he's probably going to be putting on bangers for us in this middleweight division for a while and, and being someone in that top 10, top 15 range. I don't know that I see him ever ascending above that, but you know, if he wins this fight, I, I, I it will just you know keep him. I would say almost like keep him in his spot at this point. This feels more like there's a lot more at stake for Kelvin than, than Chris. Jed, is that the correct answer? It's not the right answer. I mean, a lot of what he said is okay. He, <laughs> Shaheen, I'm not sure Shaheen read the question is the point. Can you bring the question back up, Mike? This is a very important factor in the question that Shaheen didn't address at all. It's not if he beats Kelvin Gastelum. It's if he KOs Kelvin Gastelum. I'm not sure that anyone can KO Kelvin Gastelum. This Fair. man is right Fair. there with Marvin Vittori in the – if you gave me a baseball bat – and I had to fight him, I would not feel good about my odds because I don't think I can knock this dude out. If Chris Curtis comes here and knocks out Kelvin Gastelum, I will think worlds different about what he can do in this division because that means he can knock out anybody. Anybody can get it at that point if Chris Curtis can can body up Kelvin. If he, now, I agree with Rasheen all the rest of the way on if we're just talking about this being a win. If he just goes and wins, yeah, he's just going to be a tough out. He's going to be a middleweighty middleweight, man fighting a lot of dudes, winning most of them, just kind of getting after it. But if he goes and slabs up Kelvin, it's going to completely redefine what I think this man is capable of, even at what 37 years old or whatever Chris Curtis is. So if he does that, 
Uh, it would be one of the most shocking things of all the outcomes that could theoretically happen on this card. Kelvin Gaslam getting bagged up is right near the top of my list of things that I would find unbelievable. I have to, I have to push back. I have to push back on something. Love it. Mike, Mike is, you are the king of this. You are the, the, the gatekeeper when it comes of letting someone into the club or not. Chris Curtis does not belong in the middleweighty middleweight conversation to me. He feels like he's, he's like a fun guy. Like he has personality. He's going out there. He's not really putting on point fights. He's not trying to like wrestle people. I don't know. He feels to me like he ascends above the middleweighty middleweight conversation. You tell me, Mike, am I off? I mean, I think kind of where he's ranked right now, he's still sort of in the picture, but remember this, Shaheen, we live in a world where a couple of weeks ago, at this time, we didn't think Chidi and Jokowani would ever be considered for the middleweighty middleweight conversation. Like, ever. In the history of the division, in this concept. And what happened? He is now, like, the vice president of the middleweighty middleweights. Thank you to Albert Duraev for that. But he is a middleweighty middleweight now, officially, because of Albert Duraev. So, I'm not ruling him out. Having said that, if I'm keeping him in this, he's kind of like the Justin Gagey of the middleweighty middleweights right now. Like, and, and I mean that in... I mean that is he's he's the most exciting middleweighty middleweight, but he still is a middleweighty middleweight. He's I no Alex. There's a lot of levels to this comparison at this point right now, and I'm trying to parse it. I'm not. That's sure the I club. I mean, that's the club, man. It's not easy to get Look, into. Just think of Jack Hermanson. That's the middleweight. Like Jack Hermanson oh, is yeah. my idyllic version of a middleweighty middleweight. Yeah, Christoph Jockdo. Like oh, per- guys who Mar- can do a little bit of everything aren't super good at anything, and they alternate wins and losses. So Marvin, Vittor- right. Marvin Vittori he's is the like the he is the guy he shall he's come. the king he shall yeah. come <laughs> of, of the whole situation. he's the platonic ideal of it like he's elevated <laughs> like he's he is i'm trying to think of like if you took fast food and elevate the chefs who like elevate mcdonald's and define cuisine or whatever like that's that's what marvin Vittori is yeah he's the final boss and meanwhile like alex Pereira is so like a separate stratosphere from this middleweighty middleweight conversation. Like it's just like oh, yeah. whatever the polar. He can knock out Calvin Gastelum. I believe Pereira can knock out Calvin Gastelum. <laughs> Better question. If any, can Pereira if anyone knock can out Martin Vittori. Yes, I think I he can. I don't know that he would, but I think he can. Jed, this this might be this question is right up your alley. How will Adesani be remembered if he loses to Alex, moves up to 205, wins the belt, and then Alex (laughs) moves up and beats him for the fifth time at 205? Is that the new funniest outcome? Because that might be one of the funniest outcomes. It's it's definitely the actual funniest outcome that could ever happen would be that. Um, It would just be pristine. I doubt it'll happen. That's the thing. I don't think think Izzy can move up to 205 if he loses – because of that exact concern because one if he moves up he doesn't get an immediate title shot if if he's the champion then he he can maybe really? leverage that really think, no 205 has a lot of other stuff going on right now they Man, don't you I think mean, you, you think they're going to give magomed and kalaya a title shot over israel adesanya like if no i think we're getting i think we're getting jamal hill versus yuri sometime in september probably that, who knows when you know like that's yeah the, but but it, in the between time anthony smith's gonna fight again magomed yan rackage they're all gonna fight i don't he's I a bigger think, name than all of them if he wanted it yeah they would, they would give him that title shot. I, th- I think they will i think because he already had one and lost it he will have to fight a fight to get a title shot at 205 and so, I mean, maybe he can do it, but at any point in time, Alex Pereira is 
he is a it is not a question of when he goes to 205 or if it is when he goes it's going to happen it probably happens soon i personally think that the actual funniest outcome would be Pereira beating Izzy and then just moving up. <laughs> just be like, I'm done here. I don't really want to fight Robert Whitaker. I'd rather go fight Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight belt, which would be incredible. And then Izzy's just back here. I think Izzy's sort of stuck at 185, which is fine. Like there are other fights he can take at 185 and they'll be interesting. But yes, it would objectively be hilarious if he does move up, manages to capture the belt, which I don't even think he has a great chance to do. And then Pereira was just like, I'll take that from you too, sir. Just this man, this, when you said earlier, and you said it yesterday on BTL, Mike, this is not a rivalry. Alex Pereira is Israel Adesanya's nemesis. He just defeats that man and delivers him loss everywhere he goes. And to continue this would be the best. If Izzy then like retired and got into race car driving and Pereira was just like, I too would like to drive stock cars. It would be the happiest moment of my life. Just can you imagine a world where this man who on his 10th UFC fight would have become a double champion or 10th like MMA fight period will have become a double champion. Like that's, this is just the most bizarre thing ever. It really is. I know we've said it before, but so strange. All of this is so strange. Uh, this, I'll, I'll ask this one. Uh, have you noticed there seems to be a bunch of online hate towards Izzy from Pereira fans, even though he's been the winner, whereas I don't think I've seen any hate towards Pereira from Izzy fans. It's kind of interesting. I haven't seen like any hate towards Pereira at all because I think people yeah. people think that Pereira might see it and go to their house and address <laughs> it. <laughs> Genuinely, how do you hate him? He's just cool, dude. Like, yeah. And it, because, as I was pointed out earlier, it's the difference between true confidence and bravado. He's not out here just talking shit to talk. Like, he just – anything he says is usually like, yeah, knock that dude out. That's a fact. That's not a, That's not an opinion. That's a fact. Like, the rest of it, he's, you know, embracing his indigenous heritage and shooting bows and arrows and just being cool. Like, he's just a cool dude. You can't hate on him. Like, also, like I think Izzy's gotten more hate than he's deserved for parts of his career – but like, it's also objectively true. He is much easier to hate on. Like he makes it easy in some regards. Also, just how do you hate on someone who's three and zero, right? Like, like if you if you've won every single time we've done something at a certain point, like I can't say anything to you, or my fans can't say anything to you. Like it's just you won, you won, you won the battle. Like what is there to say? And that's that's I, I mean, think we've seen that this week with Izzy was just like what can he say right now other than just acknowledging the situation and the reality of it? Like there's nothing really to say. Um. All right, one more. Over under five and a half underdog wins tomorrow. Let me count. I have to look, but I mean, I mean I'm taking I'm taking under because five and a half is a lot, but there are a lot of live dogs on this card. What do we like, got, it would not five? shock me if 13. Pereira, if Pereira, Masvidal, Font, Ponzinibbio, uh, Chris Curtis all won. None of those would shock me. Mearshart, also a live dog. Michelle Watterson. Gomez, probably a live dog. Uh, Calvillo. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure Chase Sherman's a live dog, but I'm entirely certain Carl Williams shouldn't be minus 400 against a functional heavyweight. Uh, Calvillo, live dog. Garcia. Mm-hmm. Start Garcia's probably a live dog. 
Sam, Sam Hughes, Hughes in some probably respect. a live dog just in the fact that we have I don't have any idea what Amram is gonna look like, but there's a lot of a lot of live dogs I would reflexively pick under five and a yeah, half. Yeah, five. If it was like if it was three and a half, you'd go over though, right? Three and a half, I think, is a much better set. Uh it's much more interesting. Um, I still might go under, but I'd feel a lot worse. A five and a half, I feel pretty decent just saying under. It's a lot of underdogs. I just see four. Four feels like the perfect number. Four. I get three or four. So I think three and a half is the right call there, Mike, if you're actually setting that over under. Yeah, I think that's the good line right there. All right. I think we're done. I think we've done a, a pretty nice job here setting the table. And we're not done because we'll have the ceremonial weigh-ins coming up a little bit later. You can check that out on MMAfighting.com. You can watch the, the video afterwards on the MMAfighting.com YouTube channel. We have the 30th anniversary panel discussion that's coming up. I believe George St. Pierre is part of said panel. I love throwing the GSP into the middleweight legends panel. That's just... With one friggin' middleweight fight. 100%. I'm sorry, 100% win rate and championship rate at the weight class. Can't argue with it. Legend. Middleweight legend, GSP. Love it. So that is happening. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. And then tomorrow, it'll be People's Pre-Fight Show. Jed and I will get you ready. We'll answer your questions, get you fired up for UFC 287. Time TBD. I think the prelims start at 6 p.m. Eastern. If that's the case, we'll go at like 5.15. Then we'll have the watch party, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Myself, GC. Shaheen, tell the people when I talk about this cold open for the watch party. Am oh, I- Lordy. Am I overselling? Because I don't think I am. I don't think I'm overselling this. I mean, Godfather 2, you know, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Cold Open Watch Party. Like, it's, it's right up there with it. It's one of the greatest pieces of cinema I've ever seen. I'm frankly just in awe that I get to work with, with you, Mike Heck, and also with Connor Burks and Mr. GC, because that is one of the finest pieces of content that I've seen. Yeah, and I'm just throwing it. Like, all I did was voice it and, like, but Connor's like in my brain when it comes to this stuff. Like he knows what I'm thinking. I know what he's thinking. We're like Stockton and Malone out there, at least playing basketball, not as human beings. So let's keep that into, into perspective. And then uh, post-fight coverage as well. Jose is in Miami, so we'll have interviews, all the post-fight stuff. It'll be a good time. So stick with us at MMAfighting.com for all your UFC 287 needs. For Shaheen, for Chad, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Love y'all. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.